Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is under the weather. As always, this show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Use promo code 5FIVE. And if you're on there as of late, they got a lot of free squares. So you're getting a lot of free. Free plays, actually, okay, toward a parlay. For example, they have one for this weekend. If Joe Burrow manages to throw for one yard, one yard, you win half your bet. Is that a good deal? I would I would hope so. Is that a good deal, Simon? Sounds like a good deal. Is that a good bet for Joe Burrow to throw for one yard? I think you're safe. Okay. So if if you could do that. You deposit $100, you'll get $100 because if you use a promo code, of course, which is F-I-V-E, you get $100. You can put it all down on that on that free square that they're giving you with Joe Burrow plus something else, and they're paying you as a parlay. So go and do it. And, of course, Better Edge. Go to betteredge.com slash the number five reasons, and you get $25 just for signing up. And, of course, we'd like to welcome back they were gone for a week, so it's not it's not like we're, we were welcome. You know, it wasn't like they're gone for months or anything like that. But Manscaped, use promo code five RSN get twenty percent off your entire order. Um, Simon, do you do you know what Manscaped does? Uh, shave balls. They do that. Yeah, yeah. But is that all they do? Is that the only thing that they do? Uh, I don't know. Okay, it's not. And beginning in February, they will launch their beard care kit. Uh, Do you currently have a beard? I do. Okay. They're going to launch all kinds of things. We'll have more information on that in February. They're going to launch their entire uh, facial hair care kit line. Try saying that really, really fast, like four or five times. Uh, 
we'll have more information on that in February. We'll, we'll, we will give you promo codes for all of those things. And of course, you can still use the promo code right now. It's 5RSN, 20% off your entire order and free shipping. They threw that in like a few months ago. So take care of that. All right. Interesting weekend of football. And the, and the Dolphins kind of have like, you know, they're, they're kind of involved in every single one of these games because there's a question that comes back to Miami in every one of them. And I guess we'll start out West. I thought that was a great game. And I hate that Dak Prescott is getting all kinds of kinds of shit this week. He did throw two interceptions. He did miss wide open people. But the 49ers defense uh, kind of makes you do things like that. <laughs> like, they're good. They're really good. Well, first of all, I got to ask you. Like You saw the game. What did you think of that game? Cowboys 49ers. Um, I thought that the Cowboys are incredibly badly coached. Mm. Um, I thought there were there was error after error, especially in the second half. Uh, I thought losing Tony Pollard obviously hurts. I didn't think Dak Prescott played very well, and that last play was an absolute abomination. But they just wasted so much time. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the 49ers played well. Um, and I think for as poorly as Brock Purdy played in the first half, he was absolutely sensational on, on that long eight-minute drive that really killed the game to drive to the what was essentially the game when he touched down, converting three or four third downs. Mm. Um, yeah, I just um, I, I thought the 49ers defense sort of dominated, but it was hard to see past how badly uh, organized the Cowboys were, how badly they played overall, and the fact that, look, offensively, Michael Gallup had no catches. Noah Brown had two catches. Everything was just going to C.D. Lamb. Um, mm. Significant help at the skill positions. Um, and part of me does wonder whether or not Mike McCarthy survives, especially if Sean Payton starts to, you know, float around a little bit, maybe not going to Houston, maybe not going to Carolina. You know, I, I can't see Jerry Jones just sitting there and accepting, what, a 30th year of not making an NFC Championship game. So, you know, kudos to the 49ers. It'll be a great game this weekend, but, um, you know, Dallas have already got themselves to blame. And that's two years in a row that the 49ers take the Cowboys out. Uh, I thought Dak was was bad, uh, and I like him a, a lot as a quarterback. Uh, I had a post earlier today on my own Twitter account where, you know, it's really only a handful of teams that you could say, look, we're absolutely awful at the quarterback position. You know, it's a handful of teams. It's less than a dozen teams that are absolutely, you know, abjectly awful at the quarterback position. I don't think the Cowboys are one of them, but man, he played bad in that game. Uh, he missed. There's a play where Dan Orlovsky is breaking down the throw where Fred Warner is, is in that classic Tampa two drop from the middle linebacker position. And that's all well and good that he manages to cover CD lamb on the seam. And Dak Prescott throws it that way. And it gets broken up. But had Dak Prescott just looked off that play, uh, they left T Y Hilton completely uncovered. It would have been a walk-in touchdown. Mm. So I mean, he was lucky to get away with the interception that almost was from um, that he almost threw to Dre Greenlaw as well. So yeah, yeah. Was now he was he was bad. He, he was bad. And here's the question: uh, Tony Pollard broke his leg. His rehab period is three months, which you know, uh, I well, you know, I, most people like to say that they're not a math major. I actually was a math major. I'm a math major that takes him through free agency, so he won't be healthy to even work out for a team if he had to work out for a team. Does this not make him a, an attractive free agent target? Because uh, there's I no way don't. he's going out there in a wheelchair asking for $55 million, is he? 
I mean, an attractive free agent target for whom? I mean, I can't for see Miami. That. Maybe to maybe to sneak him in here at at a lower cost. I can't see the Dolphins getting involved in a player that I don't think Dallas will allow to leave anyway. Um, yeah, he's been the he's been the most important player on their offense for most of the season. Um, I'd be absolutely stunned, especially given the the obvious downhill uh, trajectory of Ezekiel if he's allowed to leave. He'll be ready for camp. Um, I can't see that the Dallas will let him go. Um, I think they'll see him right. So for me, I don't think he'll be a player that the Dolphins will be involved with because I don't think he hits free agency in the first place. So you think Dallas will take advantage of his injury to get him yeah. at a lower cost? Probably. Yeah, that makes a lot of that makes a lot of sense. And I didn't have many questions in the Giants Eagles game. That that, that was an abomination. <laughs> like the, the Giants didn't belong on that field. I guess there's one question. Saquon Barkley is actually a betting favorite to end up a Miami Dolphin in Las Vegas. I don't know why. Maybe they're thinking that the Dolphins are going to emulate the 49ers and do the Christian McCaffrey thing. But I know and and I tend to agree with you. I don't think Miami's going to go out there and spend 12 to 14 million dollars a year to 15 million dollars a year for a Saquon Barkley. But if they did, let's just say that they did, hypothetically, wouldn't he actually be a great fit and doesn't that make your offense much more dangerous and much more much more than the one dimension that they had this year which was just throwing to those two guys, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Sure. I mean, great players make anybody better, but I just can't see, you know, I I just don't see the value in um, spending big money on um, second contract running backs. It's just not worth it. And it's never been something that's been part of an MO that Mike McDaniel has ever been involved with. You go right back to looking at, you know, the guys at Denver, you go back to looking at um, Arian Foster, most recently Elijah Mitchell with the 49ers. I just don't see it as part of their plan. It's not really something that, that I think they would do. He's a really good player, um, but uh, the money that he's going to want, I, that that to me just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's interesting that he said after the game that he's realistic, that uh, he understands his own injury history, and then immediately it came out that he wants somewhere around 12 to 15 and about 35 guaranteed. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, you're realistic, Saquon. Uh, he's a fabulous player. Fabulous oh, player. player. Yeah, you know, great If you had player. to choose one, by the way, Saquon or, or Pollard? Um, probably Barkley. Yeah, he, he's Barkley. He, he's 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 better so, in pass protection, so probably Barkley. Yeah, moving on to the Jaguars and Chiefs. Uh, I don't have many questions on on the Dolphin that that concern the Dolphins, but I guess we could touch the this game very very briefly. Jaguars are going to be one of the better teams in the AFC next year, aren't they? They're yeah, good. Sure. Yeah, they're a good team. They've got um. And they've got a, a great quarterback. So, and you're adding Calvin Ridley to the mix next season in terms of wide receiver talent. Um, really good front seven. They've got a great young corner in Tyson Campbell. Um, offensive line looks Walker Little looks fantastic at left tackle. Um, so, yeah, I think they're a, they're a good team with an excellent coach. Doug Peterson's yeah. a super winning coach. He didn't become a bad coach overnight in Philadelphia, um, and he's clearly got that offense humming. Um, Travis Etienne will be better next year, even though he was excellent this year. Um, and I think they retain Evan Ingram, who's had almost 800 yards. Um, but no, they're a good team, and they're only going to get better. Yeah, everybody was making fun of their like their B, their quote unquote B talent overhaul in free agency with, with Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram. Those guys have been great for them all year. And Travis Etienne, yeah, I completely agree that 
they have an identity. Like they know what they are and they know what they want to be. And that game was closer than that 27 to 20 score. That fumble by Askew at the four yard line, that was huge. Yeah, massive. You know, uh, that changed the entire game. Uh, Chiefs not as scary with Mahomes with a high ankle sprain because we're going to get into the Bengals and Bills now. Yeah, I mean, I think um, look, anytime you have a quarterback that can that can make so many fantastic plays off platform out of structure, then it's obviously going to hurt him. Uh, you know, they, they've kept a lid on how he is. I suspect yesterday he was probably on crutches, um, but we'll have to see how he how he transpires at the weekend. I think what will be very interesting is that the Bengals will be able to get middle pressure through BJ Hill and through DJ Reader, um, and also through the linebackers Pratt and, and, and Wilson. I would expect Luana Rumo to do what he did. Um, at the weekend, which is, you know, I mean, Anna Rumo, just another, yet another fantastic game plan. Absolutely. But, you know, what he will do, and you saw it at the weekend, you know, all these creeper blitzes that he does, this and, and consistently pulls it off. It's late shifts of coverage. It's post-snap shifts of coverage, which are hard to do, but he's managed to do them. It's simulated pressure from from two high safety looks. It's inverted blitzes and rolling to single high. The inverted blitz coming from Mike Hilton, who's a great blitzer. It's two high zone back to single high, back to two high at the snap, mm-hmm. which just confuses quarterbacks. I mean, so much smoke and mirrors, but he's, I mean, for two seasons long, he's been phenomenal. And I'd expect more of that, especially with a quarterback who can't, um, maneuver his way out of the pocket in the way that he's been so deadly at doing. Yeah, I watched that game and and I was uh, I wouldn't say I was shocked because I know the Bengals are really really good, but I was shocked at how effective that that defensive game plan was all throughout the game. Like the Bills didn't have a, a counter, and, and that moves us to this game. By the way, do you know that the Bengals are now favored in Arrowhead? Like when the hell <laughs> have you ever heard something like that? I think they'll win the Super Bowl. I think the Bengals are the best team. In the in the NFL currently, I think they've got the the hottest quarterback. They've been the hottest team over the last few weeks. The offense is is fantastic uh, defensively. Uh, they're a really good team. They can get pressure with four. They can get pressure up the middle. They can get pressure on the edge. When you look at Hendrickson and Joseph Sai and um, Sam Hubbard, the linebackers are excellent. They can go forwards, sidelines, backwards. They've got two really good safeties: Von Bell, Jesse Bates. I know they're missing their best cornerback in Chidobi Awuzie, but um, Eli Apple is battle tested and he's played better over the last year than he has done at any point in his career. Um, Cam Taylor Britt is beginning to really show up, second round pick. Um, they've got excellent special teams, great kicker. Uh, and they've got to give Zach Taylor a little love because, you know, a, a year ago, um, I thought he was a bit of a clown figure. You don't clown your way to the Super Bowl, obviously, mm-hmm. but what he's done, and, and, and I think it's very key for Mike McDaniel, actually, is that what Zach Taylor has done clearly is audited the stuff that he was really bad at, which was in-game decisions at times. It was time management. It was timeouts. It was uh, personnel groupings. He's become a much better all-around coach, um, I think. And his offensive game plan on Sunday against the Bills was was phenomenal. Um, and they carried it out to an absolute tee with a quarterback who's as good as there is in the league. And, you know, I don't care what anybody says. Joe Burrow is a top three quarterback in the NFL at worst. Um, and he just has whatever it is, he has it. Um, and he was phenomenal on Sunday in in bad conditions, but he's just um, he's just next level. Yeah, and I can't I can't agree anymore anymore. It's it's Joe Burrow. The thing about Joe Burrow, and and this is really interesting because I heard Tom Brady 
Tom Brady has an excellent podcast, by the way. I finally got to listen to it with Jim Gray. Have you have you listened to the the Let's Go podcast with Tom I've Brady? Heard bits of it, but I haven't heard a lot of it. Well, Tom Brady kind of explained, although he wasn't talking about Joe Burrow directly. He actually mentioned Tua a, a little bit. He said that the part of being the franchise guy is getting your your players to love you and love you as a friend, and then have you more as their leader, but also a guy that they can go to and talk to and you'll say something to them that will make them believe no matter what and he says that some of the and then he says of course the second part of that is you got to play good <laughs> you know so that's important uh joe burrow is that guy like like he exudes confidence like you know you look at him and you're like you know you don't worry about that guy like you look at him and you're like okay i know we have this but moving off the the, the bengals although you know what let's not move off the bengals they started three different offensive linemen. That offensive line dominated. How? How yeah. is that happening? Because for two years here, we have uh, we take one injury on the offensive line and it's calamitous. Like, how are they doing it? Because they completely dominated with guys that didn't hurt. I, I never heard of before playing tackle and guard. I mean, Jackson Jackson Carmen, who played at Clemson, um, came in. I think he had thirty nine pass snaps. He didn't allow a single sack or even a single pr- a single hit. And only one pressure in third. Yeah, Burrow took two quarterback hits and one uh, pressure. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> crazy, crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Like, you know, I guess you got thrown up to, I guess, good advanced scouting that they found some of these guys. Although, you know, to be fair, Joe Burrow is the the most sacked quarterback in in football. But some of that is that he holds the ball to try to make plays. Well, the Jackson but... Carver was better in that game than than. Um... And Jonah Williams was at left tackle all season long. I, yeah. I think it's interesting. And look, the bottom line is, uh, and I think, you know, yes, if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. But the Bengals were at midfield in the Super Bowl last year. And if the offensive line had managed to hold up, they they win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, I, I, you know, I, I don't think that's um, up for too much debate because they were driving against a tired defense and then Aaron Donald, took over von miller took over and on the you know on that first to fourth down um set of plays but they are a very good team um and they are coached well on both sides of the ball um ryan callahan the offensive coordinator um taylor obviously and lou anaruma done a phenomenal job and also they're not going away do you know what I mean? They're not no. going anywhere. And it was a bit scary that I think Joe Mixon had averaged 3.8 yards per carry throughout the season. Um and ended up at one point, I mean, I don't know what his final numbers were, but certainly midway through the second quarter, he was averaging nine yards per carry uh, against a really good Bills defense. So, Yeah, and there was uh, times where Bengals scary. fans uh, on Twitter were, were wondering if Joe Mixon can see because <laughs> they were yeah. making fun of his uh, his vision because he, he tends to run into the backs of, of offensive linemen. Mm. And uh, he had a rough one against Miami, but Miami you know, was proven – toward the end of the year that, yeah, they were very, very good against conventional runs. But, yeah, Joe Mixon absolutely has picked it up. Moving off the the Bengals, the Bills, my God. Like, if if you follow their beat, and I've been, you know, reading everything that they're writing, like, it's calamitous over there. Like, they're losing Tremaine Edmonds, and they're losing Jordan Poyer, and they want to trade Gabe Davis because they hate Gabe Davis now. Like, it's a mess over there. And at least, at least as, as of now, they win a lot. But it kind of it it's it's not as daunting as it was before, right? Like you go into next season, you know, provided that the Dolphins have a decent offseason, they they fill some holes, 
expect them to try to win the division title next year, right? Like that's yeah. the goal now. Of course, it has to be. Yeah, because the, the Bills have completely come back down to earth and are on the way down on that mountain. Uh, any chance that they try to scrounge up the any pennies to try to poach one of these Bills players, Tremaine Edmonds and Jordan Poirier, it's it's kind of funny that those two guys are at, at two positions of, I wouldn't say need, but a position of luxury that could actually push that defense over the edge. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's interesting. Um, Tremaine Edmonds scares me in a way. Uh, he scares me because he'll be expensive because of his draft standing and because of the season that he's had. But I never generally trust players who play well only in their contract year, which is what he's done. Um, he has been inconsistent. He has been inconsistent reading his keys. He's been inconsistent getting off blocks. He's been inconsistent in coverage. Um, and 18 months ago, he looked, you know, he was veering towards not bus territory because I don't think he'd had long enough, but it was really beginning to, to worry. I also am fearful of the fact that he plays alongside Matt Milano, mm-hmm. um, who is an elite defender, an elite linebacker. Uh, Poyer is a really good player, uh, but I suppose I think when it comes to Poyer, the question mark for me is what um, what scheme are we running? You know, because we play a lot of single high. Are we now going to go to to two shell? Are we going to go to, you know, coverage where we where we play two high safeties where he could play alongside of Javon Holland? But then the question is, what happens to Brandon Jones, um, who's coming back from the injury but brings his own special skill set? You know, a lot of which is in and around the box, alley running, blitzing. I think he's the best blitzing, or one of the best blitzing defensive backs in the NFL, along with Mike Hilton uh, and a couple of other guys. So that's a big question for me, really, in terms of those two players. Poyer seems to indicate that he won't be back. I suspect they'll try and keep Edmonds around, but um, to me, that's a worry. There are better linebackers out there, I think, that better fit what Miami want. TJ Edwards, um, Philadelphia, uh, David Long in Tennessee. There's a couple of other guys I really like as well uh, in free agency. So, so yeah, I would be, to me, buyer beware for Tremaine Edmonds, I've got to say. Yeah. Uh, as far as the uh, Jordan Jordan Porter, I kind of like him, and and I'll tell you why. I think he's going to be cheap, and not only is he going to be cheap, well, relatively cheap. It's that I think you get you get more bang for your buck on a ten mil a year average. Okay, where are you going to get a better player for ten million a year yeah. than Jordan Porter? And I understand he's thirty, and that's the reason why he's he's going to be cheap because. I think he'll get that Tyron Matthew contract that he Tyron Matthew last year got three for 28, half of it guaranteed, 14 million guaranteed. So if you think about that, that's 7 million guaranteed per year for age 31 and 32. Jordan Poyer is the same thing. It'll be age 31 and 32. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's like, where are you going to get a better player? You agree with that, right? Like that's value. Where are you going to get a better player for 10 million a year? Struggle. Yeah. It's so. Yeah, like that's one I would I would I would watch really closely. But but you're gonna need a defensive coordinator first to see if he's actually gonna be necessary or not. Yeah, exactly. I think you've got to work out whether or not, you know, if you're playing that Fangio, Sean Desai kind of defense, then that's that's you know, he's a perfect kind of counter to that. But I think if you're playing a different scheme, then then perhaps not. I mean, to me, the best player to play that position to play alongside Javon Holland would be Chauncey Gardner Johnson of, of Philadelphia, but I can't think for a second that a GM as smart as Harry Roseman is going to let him go. Um, yeah, and 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 also Garner Johnson, like you're talking now, you're getting into sixteen, seventeen million. 
Oh, yeah, you're talking, you know, you're talking 80, 85 million dollars for his contract. So, yeah, that's a different that's a different kind of player altogether. You know, uh, I'm trying to get yeah, a, an impact a player. Kind of on the team. It's a different kind of financial player altogether. So, yes, yes. And he's better. Let's be fair about it. He's better than, than Jordan Poor. All right. We're going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about those defensive coordinator candidates. There's only three of them as of, as of right now. So they're cooking something up and it's pretty quiet over in Miami Gardens, but we're going to go to break first. And when we come back, we'll talk about it. But first, these words. Do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six, or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. All right, and we're back. All right, they've only been tied to three guys. They've requested one interview, and they've done another interview. Uh, the interview with Anthony Campanile, the linebacker coach. I didn't, uh, you know, I I kind of saw it coming. I reported it on OnlyFans. Um, he's highly regarded, very energetic guy, uh, guy commands respect, well-liked in the organization. Well, he's beloved by his players, especially Jerome Baker. Jerome Baker called him the best coach he's ever had. So Anthony Campanile, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to get the job, but it's, um, it's a good look. See, I, I, you know, it's a good look for, for the organization to give him a little leg up your thoughts on the in-house interview being Anthony Campanile. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you said it already. We weren't sure whether it was going to be him or Austin Clark, and it turns out it's him. Um, interesting guy. I mean, he coached offense for, for many years and only really uh, has been hardcore defensive coach for four or five years. Um, but I do think it's to pump his stock up around the league, and I suspect whoever comes in, uh, they'll probably... I don't know. They'll probably look to keep him on, but you do have these situations where a guy gets an interview under the proviso that you almost know. To me, I think the Dolphins know who they're signing, who who they're bringing in as defensive coordinator. Mm. And I think potentially they've already sounded out said person uh, and they are probably going to bring their own coaches with them and Campanile is not one of them. And it feels a bit like Campanile is being pumped up so that he just can walk into the senior bowl or walk into the combine uh, and get a job because you know he had an interview for a defensive coordinator, a job with the playoff team. Who's not going to want to hire him? So I, it does feel a little bit like that. I, but I do think the Dolphins have got the guy that they want. Um, they know who they want. And this is a sort of a, a pat on the back for some hard work. Yeah. And he strikes me as the ambitious type, like the guy that he's not thinking about the the Cardinals defensive coordinator job uh, or the no. Miami Dolphins defensive coordinator job. He's thinking about the head job in about five years somewhere. So he's a guy that, that I don't, you know, I wouldn't surprise me the least bit if he takes a college DC job. 
and then tries to move up the chain that way and tries to end up end up as the as the head coach somewhere in the NFL down the road. He's the ambitious type, and I think he's a fabulous coach. You know, they already lost one in Steve Gregory because he, I guess, he was tied kind of to to Josh Boyer. Uh, Anthony Campanile is a guy worth keeping if the new DC wants to keep it that way. But you know, otherwise, you know, giving him a, a leg up is is probably a good thing. They interviewed yeah. Sean Desai for the for the DC job. He's um, the Seattle the Seattle Seahawks defense coordinator. Uh, kind of a disciple of Vic Fangio. Uh, your thoughts on him as a possible DC? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, he is somebody that I think I think he's the guy that the Dolphins want. He strikes me as a defensive Mike McDaniel in many ways, except mm. that maybe experience-wise, he has a little bit more Maybe. I mean, this is a guy who's been, you know, director of operations at the, you know, for the U from for Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been a college professor, I think. I think he was at Boston University as a college professor at Columbia. He's a Columbia guy, Ivy League guy. Obviously, he went down as a Yale guy. Yeah, right. Like like the, I I picked that up too, right? Like, you know, they could be kindred spirits. Like when they get into a room, like I don't even know if it, do we even know when this thing is scheduled? <laughs> I'm I'm not sure. I'm not yeah. sure. But, you know, this is a guy that is essentially sort of, you know, Vic Fangio's right-hand man, was his right-hand man in Chicago for, for four years. And we obviously talk about, um, we talk about Fangio as being the guy that we want, but this is, you know, this is the young Fangio in, in many respects. You know, worked his way um, up the ranks in Chicago, three different head coaches, which obviously speaks really well of him. You know, Mark Tressman, John Fox, uh, Matt Nagy. Um, and I think that, you know, this is a guy that's worked and been under the uh, umbrella, as it were, of guys like Vic Fangio, of Pete Carroll, uh, of Chuck Pagano, of Vic Fangio, obviously. Mm. You know, Salah, Robert Salah, heavily influenced by by Pete Carroll. McDaniel loves Salah. You know, Salah got the sack from the Jets. You know, Mike McDaniel driving from New Jersey down to, <laughs> to Miami to be the defensive coordinator. So I think, you know, Desai would be a very interesting coach schematically very similar to to what Vic Fangio runs which is you know light boxes it's two it's two high safeties and it's aggressive on the defensive line and um you know I think he would be the name that you know it just feels to me as though he's the hot name that the Dolphins are are very interested in and you know each team has to if you hire a new coordinator you have to hire a minority candidate decides american indian um or indian american even um and i think he would be you know he i think the bears were the sixth best defense in the nfl in 2021 when he's bears defensive coordinator they're third mm-hmm. against the pass um he's a i think he's a very interesting candidate he's going to go to an interview as well with the vikings to me the dolphins job is way better than the vikings job they're a better team they are better players on defense. And I'm just looking at the stats now. So Chicago are fifth in yards allowed, 13th in defensive DVOA, 21st in points allowed, 22nd in EPA per play, um, but sixth overall. Uh, so yeah, they are a um he's an he's an interesting candidate. And actually, you know, you talk about Jordan Poyer, you know, Desai likes to play three safeties mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, he runs a four-two-five, which I mean, to be fair, most teams run a four-two-five these days. I mean, even Vic Fangio runs a four-two-five. People talk about Fangio only three-four. What realistically, it's a four-two-five, and it's what you do with those other players. Um, you know, what he likes to do is put 
his two premier pass rushers on the same side at times. So you can imagine, you know, Chubb and Phillips on one side um, or uh, Ogba and Phillips on one side or however you want to do it. He's a, he's a very interesting uh, candidate. He's done a really good job in Seattle, done a lot of work with Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant, the two young corners there. He is, uh, yeah, checks all the boxes, I think is the is the term. Yeah, and those two corners, Kobe Bryant and, and Tariq Woolen, like those guys are like it's the it's the rebirth of the Legion of Boom. Like Tariq yeah. Woolen is as close to Richard Sherman as you're ever gonna get, and Kobe Bryant, man, he's he's such a good player out of Cincinnati. And I was famous for my for my take last year that I thought that Kobe Bryant was probably better than Sauce Gardner. I was wrong, <laughs> but Kobe Bryant's pretty good. He's he's a pretty good player. I wanted to draft him last year. He's gonna be a nice player going forward. Um, and that moves us to the the last candidate. And this got me to thinking, like, who is Vic Fangio's candidate in that building? My guess, and I've been told this, that Stephen Ross, although he, you know, Stephen Ross may not know as much football as everybody else in the building does, but he's kind of an avid football fan. Do you think that that's Stephen Ross running into the room with his checkbook saying, oh, we need a DC? I heard this Vic Fangio guy's really good. I'm ready to write a check. Do you think that that's what that, are, that is about? Or do you think that is actually the top guy that McDaniel or Chris Greer want? Um, I mean, look, McDaniel really wanted him a year ago, so I, I can't yeah. think he doesn't want him. And, uh, and there's got to be an element of thinking that he would bring in a sort of senior leadership, uh, you know, the the wise head in the room, perhaps yes. the, some of the mistakes that we've had in terms of time management. And time and I was like that. I, I, I would love yeah. to have an old guy to just, you know, to tap McDaniel on the shoulder, like, um, don't call this time out here. <laughs> you know, yeah. it might be a good and thing. The interesting, the interesting thing to me is that, you know, he realistically what's been happening with him is that he's been interviewing teams you know he's been out there interviewing for the falcons defensive coordinator job he's been out there interviewing for the for you know that's with arthur smith but he's been in carolina interviewing for the defensive coordinator position and they don't even have a head coach mm. um you know he sort of talks to the talks to how well respected he is you know um so i think they're very much in the in the vic fangio sweepstakes uh, i don't know where he ends up um, I've seen people, Ian Rappaport, uh, Jacina Anderson specifically say that, you know, he is a target expected to receive significant consideration in Miami. Mm. Uh, but I don't think anybody's heard from Fangio, who is, you know, was reported to have been doing some consultancy work, but wasn't doing consultancy work. So it's not like you have to make a bid to the team for him to go and he is, you, you bid to his agent, which is why we probably haven't heard anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, but he's he's been down in Atlanta. He's been down in um, in Carolina. And if he's if he's interviewed in those two places, you know, I mean, I saw that last night. If Jonathan Gannon leaves Philadelphia, which he should do in the uh, in the off season, the defensive coordinator with Philadelphia, he should become a head coach somewhere potentially with with the Texans. Um, you know, the Eagles would look to take Fangio on as as uh, a defensive coordinator. So yes. I don't think you'll hear it quite as much uh, as you would do if it was a guy that was on a team for the reasons that I said, because you don't have to make an official approach. And therefore I think everything goes through Fangio's agent. Yeah. Uh, your choice. If it, if it were up to you, who who would you go ar- the hardest after? Is it, is it as simple as Vic Fangio has the, the reputation? You have a ready-made, you kind of have a ready-made defense. You just yeah, need think- a couple of draft picks and a guy here or there. I think for the overall picture, 
I think Fangio because you know, he is the guru, because he brings that veteran quality to it. And I think potentially if you were to bring, I, I don't think Vic Fangio is going to get a, a head coaching job again. Mm. Okay. So I think if you bring Fangio in, he's probably staying for three, four, he's staying for as long as he likes, really. Mm. The, the thing with Sean Desai is that, and, and, you know, he's certainly not a booby prize. I think, you know, if you hire Sean Desai, I think it's a really good decision. It's a re- He's a really good guy. But you potentially lose him in a year's time if the defense... And really remember we talked about that. Uh, we talked about that on the pod and on OnlyFans before, that Stephen Ross was pretty, uh, I would say, annoyed is the word, at getting the next hot guy and then leaving in a year. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I could easily see how Sean Desai comes in here. Our defense is top three. And then he's a head coach the following year somewhere else. Yeah. And yeah. then we're left doing this thing all over again. I mean, the flip side is you get a third round pick for yeah. doing it for that. But, you know, you, you kind of just want to keep. I, I think there's a young nucleus on this team. When you look at Chubb, you look at Phillips, you look at Wilkins, you look at Sealer, you look at Brandon Jones, you look at Javon Holland, you look at Kohu. There's a young nucleus on this team. And to for have them to have them grow under the same defensive coordinator for three, four, five years, I think would be absolutely huge for them. Yeah, I absolutely agree. All right, on the way out, let's pick these games. Uh, it's Championship Sunday. It's my favorite Sunday of the year. That and Wild Card Weekend, uh, the divisional round. You know, because the Dolphins haven't been in it since the year two thousand. You know, <laughs> I don't like it too much. But Championship Sunday, man, these are the four best teams. These are the four best teams in football. I think we ended up with the four best teams in football. Let's go out. Let's you know, since the Dolphins are in the AFC, a lot of people have interest in that. Let's go with the NFC first. 49ers and Eagles, in my opinion, the two best rosters in football. Who do you got? I think the Eagles win it. I think it's a really close game. I just, you know, and I do take with a little pinch of salt the result against the Giants. I do think it's very difficult for the Giants coming off that really emotional win the week before against Minnesota, but also playing the same team three times in a year is really difficult. Um and you know, I just think that uh, it was a bridge too far for them. And also the Eagles played a pretty much a perfect game, actually. Um, I think the Eagles will probably win it. They're just strong everywhere you look. They've got the best offensive line in football. They've got a fantastic rotation on that defensive line. I mean, Jonathan Gannon played 10 players on that defensive line between 10 and 34 snaps. I mean, that's that's astonishing. Uh, an amazing secondary. You look at the two corners, Slay and Bradbury. They're all pro candidates. Garden Johnson, the best at his position in the league. But then you throw in Kayvon Wallace and Reed Blankenship, who's significant, played significant snaps um, as a rookie. Uh, Avion Maddox, you've got Epps there. The, there's a lot of players on that back end. And then offensively, like I said, the best offensive line, three deep at running back, you know, Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott, Miles Sanders. They're big at receiver, you know, with AJ Brown, a great tight end in Goddard, Devonta Smith, obviously. And then Jalen Hurts has been MVP type of candidate and they've got a great yeah. coaching staff i mean both shane Steichen and jonathan gannon will almost certainly be head coaches and the most uh, ridiculous pass rush in ages <laughs> yeah and a great kick you know jake elliott's a great kicker um i, I think philadelphia will win I, I i like the 49ers on offense and on defense i think it'll be a great game i think philly might just have enough yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna take the upset and not that I'm, i have great conviction in this uh, I've, everybody's been waiting for brock purdy to fuck up he, he hasn't done it yet i think we'll wait another week <laughs> or another two weeks. Uh, the last time the Eagles were actually dominated in a game was against the Commanders, okay? And I believe that game was at home. The Commanders just, you know, they smashed the ball at them. They they just, it was just three yards in a cloud of dust, but an effective three yards in a cloud of dust with a really good pass rush that neutralized the Eagles. 
I think the 49ers are a better version than the Commanders, okay? I think that's kind of obvious. I think they emulate that game plan, and they eke out an ugly one. I think this thing, I think the winning score might be 21 points. So I know you didn't give a score. I'll give one. Uh, 49ers, 21, Eagles, 19, something like that. 28, 24, something, Philadelphia. All right, so we're on opposite ends there. I think we're going to be in opposite ends here again because you already, you know, you already tipped your hand. Bengals, Chiefs, uh, Mahomes is not going to keep getting here and losing, okay? Because then he's going to start getting that reputation that Andy Reid had in in Philadelphia. This has to be the the Chiefs' year. Mahomes, I think, tough set out. He's had a monster year. I think he continues it, and I think it's going to be a fabulous game. But Mahomes gets the ball last, and because he gets the ball last. He wins 34-31, Chiefs. I think the Bengals win. I think they're the team of destiny, and they beat the team of destiny to be the team of destiny. So I think that they will win. Uh, I think that their quarterback is the best quarterback in the NFL currently, given the injury situation to Mahomes. The three deep at receiver, really good tight end, strong running game. If the offensive line can hold up against the Chiefs, um, I think Joe will be able to spread the ball around. That secondary is beatable. Um and I think Bengals 38-31 Chiefs. All right. And there you have it. Simon has Eagles-Bengals in the Super Bowl. I got the 49ers and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So we're completely opposites. Okay. Maybe we're both wrong. <laughs> I don't know how that's possible. I don't know how that's possible either. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll talk to you later on this week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.